Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. If you are new, I want to welcome you to the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you really enjoyed it, would you leave a review? It just takes a quick minute, but can be a huge blessing. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day and enjoying some beautiful weather. I know down here where I live, we are already in the low 80s, which means it is safe to start wearing our flip-flops on a regular basis and short sleeve tops. We are also officially in May, which is hard to believe, but I am grateful for each new month because it always feels like another opportunity to achieve new goals that I set for myself. One of my goals this year was to read 12 books, which averages out to one per month, and I am excited to say I am actually on track. I know that may sound like a small goal for my listeners who are big readers, but with my schedule, this is a big accomplishment. If you have any good book suggestions, I would love to hear about it. You can just send me an email or message me on my social media anytime. Now, today, I wanted to return to our Daughters of Eve series and study a woman that is rarely talked about except in providing context to another woman's story. I am referring to Penaya. Are you familiar with her? Well, let's read her story found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramah the Sophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. That was verses 1 and 2. Her introduction is one of comparison and competition, similar to another set of wives, Leah and Rachel, who also competed for affection from their husband Jacob. Both sets struggle with the same things. One is barren while the other is fruitful. One is loved and the other is not. But there is a difference in how each woman handled it, which is what I want to focus on today. Paniah and Hannah were two hurting women for different reasons, but they dealt with their hurts in opposite ways. Let's try and paint the scene. Elkanah chose to marry two women. Sadly, this was something that has been seen multiple times in the Bible, such as Leah and Rachel, and even King David, and especially his son Solomon. But this was never God's plan, and we can see what happens when we divert from it. In my Sunday school class one time, we had a little discussion about this topic and what to say to those who made the argument that the Bible never seems to directly discuss the issue of polygamy, namely in the Old Testament. As we chatted about this, it was brought out that when you go back to the first instance multiple wives are mentioned, it is from the ungodly line of Cain. God's example was Adam and Eve, one and one, not one and two or more. I think this is a valid point to consider when wondering about specific issues or a topic in the Bible. Go back to the original source of something, such as multiple marriage partners, because this can shed a lot of light on the original intentions. Lamech was the first one to mention two wives, and he was bragging how he had killed another man. He was a man who was rebellious and arrogant, making him a horrible example to follow, but sadly many would, and... Having multiple wives would become a more common practice that was adapted by Israel as well, which leads to someone like Elkanah to have two women in his life. For those who are married, and even those of us who are not, it's not too difficult to understand why there was contention between the two women, and it was not just because one had children and the other did not. That was just the means of stirring the pot. The real contention can be found in the following verses 3 through 6. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. 
And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peniah his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Elkanah was the source. He was openly saying he loved Hannah more. Hannah was his love, not Peniah. Now, how do you think that made her feel? I don't think it takes much imagination. Her hurt was real, and in some ways it was valid. She had performed her duty to her husband by providing him with many children, both sons and daughters, yet it wasn't enough. Again, this is a flashback to Leah, who thought each child she gave Jacob would make him love her more. I will include the link to that episode in the show notes, and I encourage you to listen to it as we unpack some of the reasons why, as women, we struggle so much for approval. But with Peniah, she let her hurt fester into a deep wound that manifested itself into anger and bitterness. And this is what I want to focus on today. What do you do with your hurts? What do you do when someone is unkind, especially those closest to you, like family or good friends? Hurt is something that is part of our world. It's inescapable. We will get hurt by someone at some point in our life, but what we do with it is up to us. Hannah's story, which we will get into next week, will show us how we should respond. But for now, let's talk about what not to do. For Peniah, her hurt was obvious and it caused her to become a mean person whose only delight was to lash out at others, trying to wound them and make them miserable as well. The Bible refers to her as an adversary, but it is not necessarily referring to a foe like Satan. The word means a female rival. So the verse is saying that Hannah's female rival, her competition, provoked her sore and she did so to make her fret, which means to be violently agitated, to irritate with anger. That is not a good reputation to have at all and should be avoided at all costs. But when you let hurt deepen, into a wound, this is inevitably what will happen. To be fair to Peniah, it must have been difficult to watch Elkanah lavish affection on Hannah day after day. Remember, a woman's language is love. She longs to be adored, delighted in, and cherished. Peniah had none of this. She was merely being used to carry on the family name. Her husband didn't care that Hannah had no children because he had all he needed from his other wife. No one likes to feel used, especially in a sacred relationship such as marriage. But just because there is cause for our hurt doesn't give us a license to misbehave. We are told to always be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, even to and maybe especially to those who have despitefully used us. For Peniah, she let her hurt determine her actions and that is a very dangerous place to be because so much damage can occur when we do. Since she could not retaliate against her husband directly, because that might push him away farther, she delighted in tormenting Hannah, pointing out her constant lack and failures. Now, I want to park here for just a moment and speak to those who have been in Hannah's position. Not a wife sharing her husband, but someone who has been hurt by another person who continually points out your faults and failings. I know that it hurts deeply, but maybe when you take a moment to consider who is saying that to you, you might see a person who is also hurting and the only thing they know to do is lash out at others to make themselves feel as miserable as they are. Can I encourage you to pray for them and maybe even go a step farther by going the extra mile for them? Do something kind or even give them a compliment. Isn't that what Paul told us to do in Romans 12 verses 20 and 21? 
Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the best way to handle someone who is speaking words of hurt or behaving badly. This doesn't mean you have to be their closest friend, but it will leave them with very little to say against you, giving them no ammunition. I didn't say this was easy, trust me, but it is the best response we could have to them and the only way to show them Christ. For Paniah, she chose to be a woman who focused on her hurt and made it her mission to make others as miserable as she was and found pleasure in agitating others, provoking them to anger, which is not the behavior of a woman who wants to please the Lord. We must be women who guard against letting our hurts become wounds. And we do this by releasing them to God, as Hannah will show us later. Often, jealousy, anger, and bitterness are rooted in past hurts. We have to decide not to let them rule us. God is our judge. And over and over again, you see David asking God to deal with his problems instead of handling it himself. This is the response I want to have. I want to be a woman who is kind, even in the midst of hurtful actions, a woman who trusts the Lord to make things right. I do not want to be known as someone who speaks unkind words and is nothing short of a grump. We are to be a reflection of God's goodness, love, and compassion to the world. If we allow the hurts to alter our behavior, how can we ever make a difference for Christ? I read a wonderful line in a book recently that said, everyone has hurts from their past, and everyone has the choice to either let those past hurts continue to haunt and damage them, or to allow forgiveness to pave the way for us to be more compassionate toward others. Isn't that great? I don't think you can sum up this lesson any better. Hurts left unchecked will haunt your every move and will only bring damage to your home and to those you love. But when you make the choice to embrace forgiveness toward those who have wronged you, you can move forward in healing and be ready to have compassion for others who have experienced a similar hurt. Don't forget that God promised all things work together for good, and that includes the hurts. When you give those hurts to God and let him take charge of your life and your story, you will be amazed at what he can do through you to impact those around you. It may not always be easy to let go of those hurts, especially the ones that run deep. I know that the day my father left my mom and I, the day he came back from a year-long deployment with the military, only to inform us that he was filing for a divorce was devastating. My entire world was turned upside down, and the hurt ran deep. But I chose to give those hurts to God and believed in his promises that all things work together for good. I may not see the good right away. In fact, I may never fully understand or see it come to pass, but that doesn't mean it won't. God's promises are sure. All you have to do is trust and obey. A woman who gives her hurts to God will have a much lighter load to carry and can walk in the confidence of her God. And that is where we will end our study for today. I pray that you will embrace the promises of God for your own life, grab hold of them, and never let go. No matter what, Satan will do his best to fret you, especially with hurts caused by others. But in that moment, cling to God and don't become a Paniah. Be a woman who digs deep into the word of God and remembers to dwell in the quiet place. Thank you.